Welcome to my podcast, From the Brain of Abe Salmon. In this space, my guest and I will be exploring topics related to business, investment, sports and nutrition, and anything relevant happening in our world today. If you would like to connect directly with myself or any of our guests, please do so by going on Instagram at abe.salmon or via my company website, salmongroup.ca. Thank you for tuning in and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to you from the brain of Abe Salmon. This is episode seven and I have titled it Make Landlords Great Again. <laughs> now, have we ever been great? Uh, are we just slumlords getting rich on the back of hardworking people in town? Well, I don't think so. But of course, I don't think so because at uh, the time of recording this episode, I have about 100 tenants in town and I plan on going 10x that number in the next few years. And I have great tenants and I believe the vast majority of them actually like renting from me. But in general, landlords do not have the best reputation. I mean, that's why we're called slumlords at times. And if you go on marketplace and different places where people advertise rentals, you'll see comments and even even some trolling on internet hate. Uh, there's a lot of people with internet cojones out there who just like to spit out their opinion without really understanding the numbers. And that's part of what prompted this idea of really talking about what it's like to be a landlord of several properties and also maybe share some of my best and some of my worst experiences uh, as a landlord over the, the, the last, well, many years. So I may end up breaking this episode into two or three parts, but let's get started and let's see how much we can we can cover today. And if you have any particular questions or you are curious about how to manage a certain property or are just curious about how I do certain things, hey, you know how to reach out to me, do it. Uh, I'm usually pretty good at getting back to people individually. Um, that's probably a function because I don't have that many people following me, but hey, maybe one day. In the meantime, if you have any questions, just go for it. Shoot me, uh, shoot me your ideas. Uh, go on Instagram, find me on there, and let's let's connect. So, the first question really is: Is your typical landlord who owns one rental property is he getting really rich out of you, out of their tenants? Well, the answer is no. Uh, one property is not going to make anybody rich. It's going to make that person wealthier over the the long term, as you know, real estate. It's really a numbers and a patience game. But if you go on, like I said before, on certain websites or even marketplace on Facebook, you'll see people commenting like, wow, wow, how can you ask for so much money for that house? I would never rent that, I would never do that. But these are typically renters who are unable to buy that house. So let's break it down a little bit when it comes to numbers, right? A typical or average home in Kelowna, a single home detached with a basement suite, you're looking at at least $700,000 to buy it. And as a rental property, as an investment property, you are forced to put 20% down. So that's $140,000. You have to pay your property transfer tax, 10 to 12 lawyers. And even if you don't have to do any big renos to it, just the cleaning, sanitizing, some paint, fixing some appliances, there's always a minimum cost going in. You are really looking at an upfront investment of 
anywhere between 160 and $180,000. So remember, so this is the landlord. They are putting that much of their own money and some of them have been saving that money for a decade or maybe it's an inheritance, so good for them, even though somebody died, but you know, they're taking quite a bit of risk. They're putting 180,000 eggs into one basket. And on top of that, they still have a mortgage of like $560,000. So they still owe the bank over half a million dollars. So they are acquiring a liability who they're hoping to turn into an asset. And they're entering into a contract with a bank for at least five years or whatever your mortgage uh, agreement is for. And if you lose your job, if you lose tenants, if something happens, the bank doesn't really care. They expect you to pay your mortgage on a monthly basis. And the mortgage is only the start, right? You have the mortgage, you have the interest, you have your taxes, which have gone up every year, at least here in Kelowna for most properties. You have insurance and when you get insurance for rental places is probably twice as expensive as insurance for your own home. And insurance costs have definitely creeped up uh, quite a bit over the last two years. And then you have to consider vacancy rate. Are you going to be able to keep tenants every single month forever? Well, the answer is no. Um, you can have a great track record, but at some point somebody's going to live in the middle of the night and you won't be able to get tenants immediately, right? On top of that, you also have maintenance, even if there are small issues. God knows I've replaced more dishwashers in my lifetime than I ever thought I would. Yeah, I don't know. They just die on everybody. And of course, you also have long-term repairs, emergency costs, etc. And I want to go back to the point of all my So there's a, a lot that goes into acquiring an asset and the qualification process is not easy to acquire a house like I just described, you have to be making really good salary. So we're talking about somebody who likely went to school for, for a while or has been working for many years and saving saving a lot of money. So they are investing quite a bit of their money to acquire this property. And yes, they are going to calculate all those numbers and they're going to increase the rent. So make sure they cover that and they stay cash flow positive. But in a property like that, when when you break it down, perhaps you end up getting a 10 to 15% return cash on cash from your original investment. So yeah, is the landlord making money? Is the investor making money? Well, absolutely. And why shouldn't they? They have taken the risk. They have invested. They have done something that not many people will. Saving up $160,000, $180,000 is something that many people will never save in their lifetime. So it's it's a significant investment people people do. And yes, there's a lot of good benefits from holding onto a property, long-term appreciation, you're paying down your debt. But for those people out there saying, hey, well, you're asking $3,500 for a home. I would only pay $2,500. That's what I believe is worth. Well, you know what? At $2,500, I'm actually supporting your family, which is not really my job as a landlord or, or as an investor. And remember, tenants have the option. This is a free market. So if you are an investor, you want to be a landlord, you set up the price that you believe you can get in the market. And hopefully that will cover your cost and give you some cash, uh, positive cash flow. At the end of the day, the tenants dictate things, right? 
just like everything, like any consumer. They can say yes or no. They can say, yes, I'll rent it. You're not forcing anybody to do it. It's the market. Or they can flat out say no. And if nobody's renting your place, well, there's something wrong with the place itself or with the price or a combination, right? So and for some of those people, like, I don't know, I, I've actually gotten a lot of ugly messages. Uh, somebody once called me on Facebook Messenger, I guess after I posted a place, to literally tell me they wish me a slow death because I'm a slumlord and I'm just obviously getting rich on the back of hardworking people. To them, the only thing I can say is, well, you don't like it. That's fine. Go and buy your own place. Then the answer is like, well, how can I buy a, a place myself? I have two jobs and I can barely save money. I understand it. It's really hard. But why am I going to be penalized for something that you have not been able to do? So just it's really just put it into, into perspective. Uh, tenants, yes. Kelowna is freaking expensive. But just so is Vancouver. There's people who cannot afford to live in Vancouver and they move to, to the Okanagan. There's going to be people who cannot afford to live in Kelowna. Well, you can always find another shitty job in Vernon or Kamloops. I'm sorry, it's really harsh, but it's just the reality, right? So I know a lot of people say, well, no, but I want to live in Kelowna. This is my home. I get it. But this is the problem when you get participation trophies in school growing up because you believe that you are entitled to live wherever you want in the house that you want for the price that you think it's fair. Sorry, life doesn't work that way, my friends. You are not entitled or owed to live wherever you want. You will live and you'll be able to have a house in the city or in the area or of the style of what you can afford, what you have created in your life for yourself, and you can go and buy that life for you and your family. But let me tell you, Kelowna or any city, it doesn't owe you anything. If you don't like your situation, you have to change it. But bitching about it on the internet and being a troll, it's not going to happen. It's not going to make any difference in, in your life moving forward. And I didn't create this podcast just to hammer down on, on tenants, but I wanted to put some perspective. Uh, yes, life is expensive, like I said, but investing is also expensive and it can be risky if you don't know how to do it properly. So my advice to tenants who want to change their situation, honestly, learn a new skill, get a second gig, get a second flow, save some money, invest, rather than trying to fight the system. And you can't see me, but I'm making air quotes. Uh, if you don't want to fight the system anymore, hey, be a part of the system, join the system. And if you're one of those people who think that you'll never buy a house to rent it and make money, hey, all props to you. Uh, if you want to run a non-for-profit and get into that, that's amazing. I, I, I do personally, I do help some of my tenants. But at the end of the day, when you invest money, you're expecting to get a return on your investment. So anyways, uh, I'm going to end that idea here now. And I want to touch back on what I said initially. Some landlords, yeah, some landlords actually suck, <laughs> but so do some tenants. And you know what? Some bosses at work, they also suck, and so do some employees. So that's really more to do with human nature rather than market-specific. There are some great landlords who actually take pride of taking care of their properties and their assets. That's something that is super important to me because, well, again, those assets are going to allow me to 
double and triple my, my portfolio over time. So I want to take care of them and I want to select good tenants. But there are some people I've been called to give advice to some other investors uh, that they buy a house and honestly, they run it to the ground and that's a different model. And you are, you also attract a different quality of tenants. So like I said, that's more to do with human nature rather than market specific. Um, talking about stories, talking about uh, just running properties to the ground. I want to share some of my worst stories, uh, especially because last week, unfortunately, I had a really bad experience and I wanted to, to put it out there. But over my now close to decade of renting out places for, for people, I've had anything from evictions because somebody has been abusive to their partner because they have been doing drugs, because the cops have been called in, because obviously people haven't paid rent. And I've had people trashing places. Yes, that part of the business sucks. And that's why some people get scared about investing in real estate and being a landlord. So there's also that side of the story, right? Like, why am I going to invest so much money when somebody can trash my property and affect my, my investment? Granted, that's part of the risk. That's why you factor that number into the rent that you solicit and you put it into, into savings account and you try to do the best you can at selecting tenants. And I'll tell you, I've rented to people who look absolutely clean cut, professional. So from the very judgy and superficial side, great tenants. I've had people like that live in the middle of the night, trashing my place, letting their dogs and cats pee in the property for the last three days just to stick it to me or send me a message. But for the previous year, they were amazing. So you just never know with people. And I've had, I've actually rented to some people who, from the same judgy and superficial lens, some other landlords would not rent I because they show up and they are dressed like they just came out of Comic-Con or because they are um, on rent assist and they might, they might be on some meds or they might be on the autistic spectrum. And they have been amazing. So some of them have been absolutely great and they've been so thankful. And some of them have actually started renting a small room for me. And then they moved down into an, an apartment that I also own. And the conversation has always been, well, we want to keep renting from you, Abe. So that's great. Uh, there's definitely a connection that goes there. And they understand that, yes, they are allowing me to, to make money and achieve my financial freedom. But they are also appreciative of the opportunity that they receive to prove that they can be amazing tenants. Um, some other, I, I guess, uh, really what truly prompted me to come back to the mic this week was that last week, I had a second tenant over my last however many years. I had a second tenant accidentally overdosed and passed away in one of my properties, which is truly sad. Um, I don't know. Like it, it just makes me sad, makes me mad. Just, I don't want to go on, on, on a rabbit hole here, but this is part of the business as well. And I wanted to put it out there. This is a tenant who, young guy, um, well, 37 years old, still very young, was just always a, a nice guy. He was renting a room in a share house uh, that I have. He was my tenant for about a year and a half. 
His brother is also my tenant on a different uh, on a different unit. They were great, and I know I know he had a, a girlfriend, and he was really hoping to get married and all that. And a few days ago, I got a call from his mom. I guess she got my number through his roommates, asking me if I had heard from him, because apparently he had been MIA for a few days and he had not been responding to his to his roommate. So. I I I went back to the house uh, with his mom's permission because we were actually worried about his health. I got into his unit, and yes, uh, he overdosed. I, I I found him. I found him deceased. Um, he had been dead for about three days. It was a pretty gruesome and horrid scene. Um, it, it was it was ruled. Uh, an accidental overdose by the coroner. I won't get into too many details or I get where I won't get too graphic on how it looked or the smell or things like that. But dealing with his family afterwards, dealing with any anybody, like having to tell their their parents or their next of kin that their young son passed away. It, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's a it's honestly it's a very shitty side of this business. Ah yeah. So that part sucks, and I know he had a big fight with his girlfriend a few days ago, and seems like he had started to do some some drugs, and maybe he just wanted to feel numb, or I guess don't feel anything, and something went wrong. Um, yeah, so I don't know. In in a world where it's so crazy, I'm recording this in the middle of a pandemic where we're all debating whether or not masks are the solution or this and that. There's another side that is also very real, right? Um, he had not been able to work because of uh, COVID and the economy shrinking and all that. And I guess the fight with his girlfriend ruled him to do or got him to do certain things. And and, and he's gone, like just just like that. And so as a landlord, as an investor, it, it's, it happened in your house, you have to talk to everyone and handle that side of the business. So not fun. A human life was lost and yeah. um, For me, it ends after a few weeks, but for his family, it will never end, right? So just my condolences out there uh, to his family, his mom, his dad, his brother. God, I, I don't know. I hope this brings a little bit of awareness to everybody out there all right and but i'm not gonna end this podcast on on that uh sad note like i said some some tenants have been super appreciative of getting the opportunity to rent and they understand that they are not in a position to buy a home but they still want to stay in Kelowna, so they go and look for something that they can pay for they feel comfortable and even during covid when people lost their jobs people were waiting on ei or serve or whatever it was we all worked together. Uh, rents were reduced, rents were laid. We managed in certain ways. And that part is really where you can call yourself a good investor, a good landlord, where you kept everyone safe in a home. You still managed to make your numbers work. You work together, you create that relationship. And ev- each and every one of my tenants understand that I am making money on those houses but they also understand that we're gonna work together 
and I, I only make my money if they're happy and safe in a house and they pay rent. So I want to do that as well, because that's what's going to allow me to multiply my portfolio and continue to achieve a, really a fun, free life. So are landlords great? I guess it depends who you are. And if you are curious about how to become one and how to invest, hey, you know who to talk to, let's chat. Even if we don't do any business together, I love talking about business and investments. So I'm always happy to sit down and discuss different ideas. And I think I can probably dive a little bit deeper into how to handle certain contracts if you only want people to stay in your properties for for eight months so you can do Airbnb in the summer or how to protect yourself on different situations uh, uh, through legal agreements and the Tenancy Act, etc. So if, if there are any of you who have any questions, I know some of you already just text me, but if anybody else has questions on how to do it or how it works, hey, shoot me a message. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. We may end up becoming friends or business partners or simply we may just have a, a nice fun chat and that's also uh, that's also good as well all right uh well i'm gonna end this episode i think we kept it under 23 minutes so thank you again for listening and if you have any ideas for a future podcast please reach out to me enjoy the upcoming weekend thank you